Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. This is Saul Weinreb, the host of the podcast, and today we are about to study chapter 13 of the first book of Samuel, Shmuel Aleph. We um, just finished Shmuel's, the prophet Samuel's farewell speech, which as we will see soon, will not be such a farewell because Shmuel is not at all going to disappear from the scene he still has a lot left to do. However, um, when he gave it, it sounded like a farewell speech because he was passing over the baton of leadership, but not the baton of spiritual guidance and spiritual leadership, but the, the baton of political leadership, Shmuel as a shofate, he was passing over to the new king, Shaul, Saul. Now, what we're going to see in chapter 13 is that it's very confusing the uh, timeline and the chronology of things. Exactly when did each one of these events occur? The way the chapters are set up, it is set up to be kind of like Shaul, Saul, in, with all of his good qualities that led him to be the king and the celebrations of becoming a king. Then Shmuel's speech. And then the next several chapters are Shaul and his downfall, his bad qualities, why his kingdom was doomed to failure and was never going to um, become uh, set, uh, and his dynasty was never going to take root. Now, um, so the exactly, however, it, 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 there are indicators that these events may have occurred simultaneously, or some might have been before or after the others. Um but if you so, if you recall back in chapter ten, we had um, Shmuel had told Saul to go to Gilgal and to wait for him for seven days. We then learned of the war that Saul had with Nachash Hamoni, where he saved the people, and the celebrations at Gilgal at on the anointing of Shaul as king, and. Um, how Shmuel uh, told the people here, I appointed the king and he anointed him and so on. Now in this chapter, we're going to learn of, of an event also that occurred at Gilgal while Saul was waiting for Shmuel to come because Shmuel had told him to wait for seven days. The problem is um, that it would seem that that event had already occurred. Shmuel had already come to Gilgal and made Saul the king. So it might be this is another event, or it might be that this event really happened earlier. It's only laid out this way because um, it wants us. It, it, the chronology is not exact in terms of times and dates, but it it uh, it is um, set up like I said before. Uh, Shaul and all of his positive qualities that led to Shmuel anointing him as king, and then Shmuel's speech. And after we read and learned Shmuel's speech, we can now understand the downfall of Shaul, the downfall of Saul, and why he was not successful and what his uh, bad qualities were. And if you recall, I pointed out that Shmuel mentioned nothing about sacrifices, mentioned nothing about rituals. What he mentioned was that people should do... Um, uh, that what God wanted was that the people should be faithful to him and to live the kind of life and lead the life that God wanted them, 
to, to lead. The good and proper, the, to do what is good, to do what is right, to fear God, and worship Him in truth, with truth. Those were the qualities that Shmuel wanted. And now we're going to find out that Shaul didn't get the message. He didn't understand that God is not to be served as a... Um, <laughs> Uh, as same way as every other god with rituals and sacrifices, but rather God need, must be served with action and with humility. Tov Yashar. And I pointed this out uh, last time, and I'm going to point it out again that the connection between one who thinks he can control God, whether that's God with a capital G, the true God, or God with a small g, whatever God he or she thinks he's trying to get the favor from, one who thinks that he or she can control that God um, by sacrificing to him or by doing some sort of ritual is a person who, by definition, is arrogant because he thinks that the control is in his hands. When one truly worships the one true God, one realizes and recognizes that only God has the power to make things right or wrong. And what God wants from us is our behavior, not our rituals. Now, now we can read, now with this introduction, we can understand and get a handle on what Saul's flaws were. Why was Saul's kingdom doomed to failure and why was he, was, <clears throat> was his was the dynasty that he was supposed to start never going to take root. So here we start. Ben Shana Shaul B'Molcho. Literally this translates to Saul was a year old when he became king. Now obviously that cannot possibly be the case. We just read the story. So some say there might be some mistake here that it, that it actually had an age but it got left out. Um, the rabbis interpret this as saying he was like a one-year-old when he became king because he was so pure of sin and so righteous when he became king. Um, that may not have been the case later while he was king, but when he became king, he was like a benshana, like a child. Um, or it could be just random benshana. He was some years old, and we're not even going to bother telling you how old he was. And he ruled over the people of Israel for two years. In other words, prior to this event occurring, which again makes it difficult to uh, figure out the chronology before unless you assume that, this is, that the chronology is not what's important here and we don't really know what happened before or after what. Regardless, this event happened two years into his kingdom. And Saul chose for himself 3,000 uh, soldiers from the people of Israel, which is a small number considering all of the tribes and comparing that to the numbers of people that we've seen in the various battles and, and, and assemblies until now. And 2,000 of those men stayed with Saul. It, um at a place called Michmas and in the place of Bethel, the Elef Hayuim Yonasan, and a thousand he sent with Yonasan, Jonathan, his, who we're going to see soon was his son, Begivat bin Yamin, and he was at Giva'ah, the uh, place of Giva'ah in, in Benjamin, in Benjamin's territory, um, Giva'ah being the place where Saul was from, which has come up several times, which is also the place where the terrible story of Pilegesh Begivah happened at the end of Judges and so on. And the rest of the nation he sent back home. Presumably this was after the ceremony at which he was crowned king. 
Now, Jonathan, as we'll see, Jonathan had uh, had a very independent streak, and he kind of liked to push the envelope to uh, get some action, to get things moving against the enemy um, before asking his father's permission. Uh, and we'll see this several times uh, throughout uh, <clears throat> as we learn about Jonathan's life. However, here is his first time we're getting introduced to him <laughs> and his independent ways. Jonathan decided that it's that it's uh, you know uh, the the Philistines the Plishtim were oppressors. They were making the people suffer, and they had a a garrison of um, uh, where there was a leadership uh, within the territory of Israel uh, designed to um, watch over the people of Israel, to oppress them, to collect taxes, and so on, to get to make their demands. So Yonatan did not like this, so he struck down a nativ plishtim asher begeva, the 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 nativ plishtim, the um, the Philistine uh, officers, which was stationed in Geva. In Geva, again, that's Geva, the place where Yonatan was with his one thousand men. So naturally, vayishmu plishtim, the Philistines heard about what he did. So the Philistines heard about what Jonathan had done. So Saul, now also having heard what his son had just done, um, it doesn't explain here exactly what Saul's reaction to um, this event was. Did he admonish Jonathan? Did he? But regardless, he realized that the, as far as the Philistines were concerned, whether it's Saul or Saul's son, didn't make a difference. Uh, the bottom line is that the the, the Israelites attacked this uh, station, and so Shaul uh, sounded the shofar, this uh, horn. Even he remember he had just sent everyone home, but now he sounds throughout the land the sound of the horn, the shofar, Yishmua, Ivrim. Listen, all all of the Hebrews, all of the Ivrim, listen up. Uh, get ready because the Pelishim are not going to let this go quietly. V'chol Yisrael shamu mar. And all of the people of Israel heard uh, what was being said, which was he at that Saul has struck down the the Philistine office. And now the uh, the people of Israel have become um, uh, uh, an object of anger, an object of scorn at, of the Philistines because now, they, of course, they want to take revenge. And the people of the nation um, gathered themselves, mustered themselves up uh, uh, to Saul, the leader, at Gilgal. Now they realize they had no choice. But at this point, it could very well be that if the, if the chronology of this is such that this actually occurred way back before, um, then this was before Saul's major victory over Nachashahamoni, or it could be um, that this was later afterwards, and the people, even though Saul had a big victory, but now they're the. Uh, they're still afraid of the Philistines because the Philistines are still a very mighty, powerful foe, and maybe they were they were much stronger than the Ammonim, than, than the Ammonites who they had defeated before. So, uflishtim nesvuli lachemim Israel, as we see in verse five, the Philistines gathered to wage war against the people of Israel. Shloshim elef rechev, 
30,000 chariots, v'sheshet alafim parashim, and 6,000 cavalry on, on horses, v'om kachol ashels vasayam, and foot soldiers, as many as the sands of the, and the shores of the sea, larov, that, that's how many there were, v'ya'alu v'ya'achnu b'mechmas, and the kidmat b'savan, and they marched to, and they camped at Michmas, which is where Saul was, uh, east of Beit Aven, um, someplace. Okay. So now the people are frightened, of course. The Philistines have mustered this huge, mighty army with huge numbers. The Ish Israel and the people of Israel, Ra'u Kitzarlo, saw that they were in deep trouble. Kinigasa'am, because the uh, soldiers were, were, um, uh, were, um, are, were under tremendous pressure. So the people started to hide in caves and among the bushes and behind rocks and in tunnels and in, in caves and pits. So the people decided to um, hide from the wrath of the Philistines because they were scared to fight, and they did not feel that they had the strength to fight against this mighty Philistine army. The Ivrim of Ruyatayardin, and some of the people, some of the Hebrews, crossed over the Jordan to their brethren on the other side of the Jordan. In other words, they ran from the area, Eret Gad Vigilad, to the land which was owned by God and Ruvain, right, in, in Gilad. Vishaolo Denu Bagilgal. However, Saul remained in Gilgal, Vichol Ha'am Chardu Acharav. And those that didn't run or hide, came and, and mustered themselves and gathered around Saul, their new leader, their new king, um, to hope that maybe they could somehow uh, withstand the upcoming onslaught, the inevitable battle. And he waited for seven days to the time which Shmuel had told him to wait. Now, I'm going to assume that this is not, even though Shmuel had told him before, wait for me seven days, I think that chronologically, because this was after he was a king for already two years and everything, and Shmuel had already appointed him at, at Gilgal, I think that the point here is, is that Shmuel had instructed Saul that whatever big battles occur, right, I'll hear about it, give me seven days to get there, and don't fight, and don't start, until I get there. So Shmuel had therefore given him the same instructions now as he had given him before. So in other words, this isn't referring to the same command that Shmuel gave him a few chapters ago, but it's the same command in the sense that this is Shmuel's practice. Shmuel told Saul, don't start the fight until I get there. And why is that? Because Shmuel wanted to, uh, uh, I'm making this assumption, but you'll see how it fits as we read this chapter. And my assumption is, Shmuel wanted to come and teach the people how does one um, pray before God? How does one get God's favor? How does one have God, so to speak, help you in the fight? Not by making a sacrifice or a ritual the same way that pagans do. Not in the way, if you recall, the people had faith in the Aron, in the, in the Ark. Remember, we went through this just several chapters ago. During the time of Shmuel, the people had faith in the Ark itself, and it didn't do anything. The Ark didn't protect them, The Ark, because the Ark is just an object. Shmuel wanted to bring the people out of that superstitious 
way and teach them what he just taught us in the last chapter, which is what God wants is God wants you to be faithful to him, to be faithful to the laws, the rules that he has taught you. And if you stick to that, then you will be successful. Okay? And, and um, Shmuel wanted to teach them that lesson and wanted to enter into this battle with a proper frame of mind that people should know and understand and fight because they should fight the enemy because they have the values and what God stands for and, 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 and the humility that one needs to establish the nation which Shmuel was at the precipice of establishing by establishing their new monarchy. So Shmuel said, wait for me for seven days. And it was on the seventh day and Shmuel was still not there. He wasn't at Gilgal. So the people that had gathered around Saul started running. Saul, remember, had all these people that had gathered around him. They were all there. They were uh, the ones that hadn't hidden, the ones that didn't run across the, the Jordan. They, they, so now the, but they were gathered around him and now they started to scatter too. And Saul is losing his grip. He sees, oh no, if I wait for Shmuel, I'm going to lose my grip. Now Saul didn't, have, didn't understand what it was that Shmuel was trying to teach. And he was still stuck in the notion, right, that one brings sacrifices to this God and that's how one placates this God and then we'll go and win the war. When Saul saw Shmuel's prayers and sacrifices before the prior battles, what Saul saw was the sacrifice. He didn't see what Shmuel was trying to teach, why this is different, why this is not the same. Vayomer Shoal, so what did Saul say? He said, Hagishuelai, come to me, I could do it too. If Shmuel could do it, if Samuel could do it, I could do it also. All I need to do, Hagishu Eli Ola, bring me the sacrifices, bring me the peace offerings. And he brought the Ola, he brought the sacrifice to God. Because that's what we I could do it just like he did it. But Saul did not have the humility to understand that he didn't know it yet. He had just been introduced into the worship of God. He had just been introduced into the concepts that Shmuel was trying to teach. Shmuel hadn't yet f- finished teaching him, which is why Shmuel said to wait seven days. And it was when he completed, when he. We're going to see this repeatedly. Saul's going to make the same mistake. This mistake of a combination of two things which are very closely intertwined. That is arrogance and and uh, and and still having his mind stuck in the superstitious, um, idolatrous type of worship. Well, he might direct it towards God, in other words, using the name of God with a capital G, but he didn't understand that this God requires something else. What this God requires is the heart with your whole heart, as Shmuel, as Samuel had said in the speech that we just read last time. So as soon as he finished bringing the sacrifice, and now Samuel comes. So it's the last day near the end of the day. So Saul goes to, to bless Samuel and well, you know, to greet him, to welcome him, without even realizing that he made a mistake. So Shmuel says to Saul, what have you done? And Saul says, Because I saw the people started leaving. I was losing my grip. Oh, this is a, 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 a flaw in his pride. A humble person would have thought, I'm standing here waiting for Shmuel because 
I know that I need God on my side, and Shmuel will instruct me, he will help me. If the people leave, the people will come back, or I'll win with whatever people stay. And you didn't come at the time you said you were going to come. So here's blame. This is what an arrogant person does. Blame someone else. Blame Shmuel. You didn't. You weren't here. You said you'd be here, and you weren't here. Meanwhile, as we know, Shmuel did arrive on the seventh day, just a little bit later in the day, and Saul couldn't wait. And this whole disaster was happening. The Philistines were all gathered in Michmas. So Omar, so I said, Now, what if now the Philistines attack me at Gilgal? Uh, and I haven't yet prayed to God. So I pushed myself as if he didn't do it willingly. I pushed myself to do what I felt I had to do. And I brought the sacrifice. Big mistake. That was exactly what Shmuel did not want. Is this what you need? Pnei Hashem lo chilisi. I haven't prayed to God, so therefore you brought an Ola, a sacrifice. That's not what God wants. That's not what God's interested in. This is not the right king. So Vayomer Shmuel al Shaul Niskolta. Shmuel said to Saul, you have been foolish. Why did he use the language foolish? Foolish because he doesn't get the point. Lo shomarto et mitzvat Adonai Elohecha asher tzivach. You haven't kept the command that God, the Lord your God has commanded you. You didn't get the message that I taught you. That's why this chapter is after the speech of Shmuel. Immediately, because Shmuel said, I told you, you have to do what's tov yashar. You have to do what's good or what's right, what's proper. Not bring sacrifices, right? Because if, if, if this, had you won this, had you done the right choice and done the right thing at this episode, this time, this would have established you as the king of Israel forever. In other words, you and your dynasty and your family forever. Because that is the message, that is the purpose, the point of the people of Israel to teach the world, Ad Olam, the entire world forever. Throughout history, this message that what God wants is not sacrifices, it is not um, rituals, it is not superstition. What God wants is your heart. Vi'ata, so now, mamlachtucha lotakum, your your kingdom will not be established. It will not last. God is going to search out and find someone who has his heart like his heart. What does that mean? Whose heart is the way God wants it to be. And God will command him to be the leader over the nation. Why? Because you have not kept that which God has commanded you. So now we have a hint and we're going to have more episodes where we're going to see similar mistakes so we can understand clearly what the mistake of Saul is. Um, I'm going to end here. This is going to be 13a. Um, we're going to learn about what happened in the battle as we do 13b. But now we're, we started the downfall and we started the to read of the um, reason why the kingdom of Saul never became established as a dynasty. Thank you so much for studying together. Looking forward to studying the rest of this chapter and the rest of this beautiful book together.